Well, the passage we're going to look at today, if we weren't working through every verse of a book of the Bible, uh, probably would not be one that uh, normally we would land on. That's just honest. It's uh, looking uh, last Sunday night. I usually Sunday night say, "Okay, Lord, what you got in store for next Sunday?" And read the passage today and thought, "Oh boy, Lord." This this going to be interesting. So I've uh, been reading it, and uh, you'll see 1 Timothy 5, uh, the subject matter today uh, is widows. And and here's was my prayer Sunday and Monday, Lord, there's only like 10 or 15 people who this will apply to who will be here on Sunday. So, Lord, you're going to have to show us how this applies to everyone here in the church so as uh, the week continued, I, I began uh, doing some, uh, some study, and, and I uh, checked about uh, average age that men and women die. That's mortality data. Uh, most recent data shows that on average in the United States, women, did you know that on average you live about five years longer than the average man? Uh, that's actually better than we were doing 20 years ago, men. Uh, about 20 years ago, the gap was seven years. So nice job, guys, uh, getting healthier. Uh, and, and the women aren't getting worse. It's, it's mostly gains for men. Uh, man's life expectancy, 2012, 76.2 years. And uh, I had a few folks head out after first service and say thanks for discouraging me, I'm 76 tomorrow, one person said. So uh, anyway, uh, a woman's life expectancy, 2012, on average, 81.3 years. That means there's a difference, in average, of five years, one month, and six days between men and women. Um, here's the other interesting fact to put together with that piece. Uh, on average, men, husbands, are two years older than women when they get married. So now we need to do a little bit of addition. We've got five years difference in average life expectancy and two years on average men being older than the women they marry. So that means on average there is a seven-year gap in most marriages between the life expectancy for husbands and wives. Now, I understand that isn't true across the board. There are obviously exceptions. There are times where husbands outlive wives. Uh, and I'm guessing some of you are thinking, well, I know this exception to that. And, and of course, there are exceptions. But statistically, the vast majority of surviving spouses tend to be wives women, widows. Now think with me the implications of that, okay? So just, just chew on this for just a, a, a few minutes, and, and uh, this will be hard for, for us, but statistically, me, men, that means that most of your wives will one day be a widow. Most of your wives, men, who are married here, will one day be a widow. Statistically, men and women 
most of our mothers will at some point in their lives be widows. Most of our moms. Statistically speaking, that means that at some point, most of our sisters, biological sisters, will one day be a widow. And how sobering is this thought? At some point, most of our married daughters will spend some time being widows. And this might be the most disturbing thought of all, wives, and I won't ask you to raise your hand, but you know who you are. Most of you will at some point in your life be a widow. And did you notice how quiet the room got? <laughs> and some of you are thinking, thanks, Pastor Jeff. <laughs> that was like the most encouraging thing I've heard in a long time. Appreciate, appreciate you uh, making my day there. But uh, just because we don't like to think about such things doesn't mean that we can ignore the facts and change them. A lot of us think that, well, if I don't think about it, then it'll go away. Not true. The facts are the same whether or not you pay attention to them. So let me reframe what we're going to talk about today, the subject matter. Um, we're going to talk about a subject, widows, that will personally touch most of our mothers, most of our sisters, most of our daughters, and most of you wives. Today... We're going to see what God's Word has to say about the subject of widows. What's our responsibility as a church to widows? As a follower of Jesus Christ, what, what does God expect me in, in relationship on dealing with widows around me? We're going to look at the, uh, the longest and the most extensive passage in the New Testament on the subject of widows. We're going to start with verse 1, 1 Timothy chapter 5. It's going to be a long read. Can you handle it? Think you're up to it today? What do you think? Come on, tell me. Are you up to it? Are you up to it? Yeah, good. Let's stand. And uh, we're going to read 16 verses, okay, out loud together. And uh, we're going to see what uh, the Lord has to say on the subject of widows. Verse 1, let's read together. Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers. Older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters, with absolute purity. Give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. If a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family, and so repaying their parents and grandparents, for this is pleasing to God. The widow who is really in need and left all alone puts her hope in God and continues night and day to pray and to ask God for help. But the widow who lives for pleasure is dead even while she lives. Give the people these instructions so that no one may be open to blame. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. No widow may be put on the list of widows unless she's over 60, has been faithful to her husband, and is well known for her good deeds, such as bringing up children, showing hospitality, washing the feet of the Lord's people, 
helping those in trouble, and devoting herself to all kinds of good deeds. As for younger widows, do not put them on such a list. For when their sensual desires overcome their dedication to Christ, they want to marry. Thus they bring judgment on themselves because they've broken their first pledge. Besides, they get into the habit of being idle and going about from house to house. And not only do they become idlers, but also busybodies who talk nonsense, saying things they ought not to. So I counsel younger widows to marry, to have children, to manage their homes, and to give the enemy no opportunity for slander. Some have, in fact, already turned away to follow Satan. If any woman who is a believer has widows in her care, she should continue to help them and not let the church be burdened with them so that the church can help those widows who are really in need. Let's pray. Lord, uh, death is a subject that uh, many of us would prefer just not to think about or talk about. But Lord, clearly uh, that's not a subject that your word ducks. So help us not to duck this morning. But we do want you to know it makes us look forward to the time that there's going to be no more death. There's going to be no more mourning or pain or tears. Uh, Lord, we just want you to know we look forward to the day where we're going to be face to face with you in the new heaven, the new earth for all of eternity. So, uh, Lord, come. Come soon, we're asking. And in the meantime, Lord, help us to learn how to treat especially the wives, the, the widows who've lost their husbands to death. Show us clearly, Lord, what our responsibility is to the widows here in your church. And Lord, I'd like to just pause and lift up every widow and every widower who's present here and ask, Lord, that even today your, your presence, your comfort, your strength, your power, your grace, and your mercy would surround them. Might they know that they are loved, they are supported, and they're cared for, first and foremost by you. But Lord, I'm praying that they might also sense that, that same love and, and, and provision from your church. Lord, we invite your, your spirit to come and take charge and rule and reign in your church. May the third person of the Trinity be welcomed in this place, the very same spirit that inspired Paul to write these things down. Lord, you come now and uh, teach and correct and rebuke and train us today. And all the church gathered at Walloon said with boldness. You may be seated. Paul uh, starts in verses 1 and 2, kind of just gives us some practical relational wisdom. And, and I would suggest to you this is a great way to view people, especially in church. But this is just a great way to start. When you see people, this is how you view them. This is how you treat them. Look at verse 1. Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were who? Your, yeah, treat older men as fathers. And then it says treat younger men as, how? As brothers. Verse 2. Treat older women as, and younger women as, 
with absolute purity. Isn't that good advice? Just simple, wise, practical advice for how to treat each other in church. Um, treat the men who are older than you. And, and I think this is clearly men who are, are several years older. I, I don't know, Brian, that you uh, need to treat me as your father if I'm just a couple years older than you. But he's talking now, people who are clearly your, your dad's age uh, or older. Treat them as you would your father. And treat men your age or younger than you as, as if they were your brother. Treat women who are your mom's age or older as though they were your mother. And treat younger men, women uh, or younger th than you or your age as your sisters. We tend to treat people in the way that we view them. Do you understand that? We treat people in, in the same manner that we view them. And he's saying here, look at verses 1 and 2, treat each other in the church like family. Get it in your head. Well, well, we are the family of Jesus Christ. We are all washed in the shed blood of Christ, and therefore, we really are family. Treat each other as such and view each other as such. Treat folks older than you as mothers and fathers with honor and respect. Treat people younger or your age as sisters and brothers with absolute purity. Now, this is, this is huge, right? You want, you want a tip? Uh, you don't view your brother or your sister in any way rude or crude or sexually, right? Why? Because that's my brother. That's my sister. Exactly. Exactly. And that's how you treat each other in the church. Now, Paul then moves on, and he's going to give us instructions for how to deal with widows in the church family. Um, how should we do that? Well, before we dig in, I want you to understand biblically what's going on here. And I think most of you realize, right, Dennis? No Social Security, right? Uh, that, that's relatively new in the last 75 years. Um, no pensions, no 401Ks, no Medicare, um, all of those are all new in the last 75 years and, track with me, and still missing in most of the world. We like to think, well, what's going on here? Well, that's the reality for everybody. Not true. Those are missing for most people in most of the world today. So what was going on biblically for them really applies in their situations. A widow in biblical times had two things to lean on when she lost her spouse. You ready? Number one, by far, her family. Specifically, her children, her grandchildren. And most, most families in biblical times, they had big families because it was a big safety net. And therefore, they knew that if something went wrong and went south, they had children and grandchildren to take care of them. Um, the Roman world had an expectation. You are going to take care of your widows and your widowers. The Roman world, and again, obviously, they weren't Christian, but the Roman world had an expectation. We're not going to provide for, for your widows and your widowers. That's the family's obligation. So that was the expectation in the Roman world. And clearly, that was the number one safety net. 
If you were a widow, uh, you just pray that you got family that can take care of you. The second safety net uh, in biblical times was what was called a dowry, D-O-W-R-Y. Basically, when a woman got married, the uh, bride would give a dowry to the husband-to-be. And he would accept this dowry, and this dowry was kind of an ancient savings account to take care of the bride. And, And this dowry would take care of the bride and the husband and their needs. And typically, this, this dowry would stay with the bride. And if the husband should die, then she'd still have this ancient savings account to kind of provide for her needs. So now you have a widow. Three things could spell disaster. Number one, she doesn't have any children. She doesn't have any grandchildren. Number two would spell disaster. Her father was too poor to give a dowry, or maybe it was a small dowry, and it's already been spent, and it's gone. Third thing that would spell disaster is if her children and her grandchildren refused to step up and take care of her. And that was what was going on in the church at Ephesus. Look at verse 3. Here we go. Give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents. For this is pleasing to God. Verse 5, the widow who's really in need and left all alone puts her hope in God, continues night and day to pray and to ask God for help. But the widow who lives for pleasure is dead even while she lives. Give the people these instructions so that no one may be open to blame. Verse 8, this is strong. Anyone who doesn't provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Again, it's pretty clear there were those in the church at Ephesus who had widows in their family and they weren't willing to step up. No, no, we're not going to take care of her because, you know, things are pretty tight for us already. And and if we take care of Grandma, we're not going to have as much. And, And then they would even invented laws. Corbin, we'd like to help you, Grandma, but we've dedicated our stuff to God. So you're going to have to starve, Granny. Sorry. Doesn't that sound religious? Remember, that's what Jesus condemned on earth. They, they were playing games. So this, this, this section clearly says why we as followers of Christ should take care of widows in our family. Let's list them out, okay? First reason, verse 4, why should we take care of widows in our family? Because verse 4 says, taking care of the widows in your family is putting your religion into practice. In other words, it's the most practical Christianity you can think of is when you have a widow in your family, you're willing to provide for them. And, and basically, if, if you have a widow in your family and you're not willing to take care of them, then you're really not practicing Christianity is what he's saying. Um, second reason why we should provide and take care of our widowed family members. Verse 4, 
This is kind of interesting. It says, um, by caring for your own family and so repaying your parents and your grandparents. Repaying your parents and your grandparents. Now, now just think with me just for a moment. Have you put any energy, time, money, savings, Robert and Caroline, in taking care of your kids? Does that cost anything? Is there any energy necessary and needed? Any funds? And the answer would be, no. oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, like most of it, isn't it? You know, and you've poured your life and you've poured your energy and you've poured your hard-earned cash into taking care of your kids. Now look at verse 4. Now when you have parents who are elderly, if you have widows in your family, now it's your turn to repay them. You were in need at one point. You, you, were, you had great need as a child, as an infant, and they took care of you. Now it's your turn to repay, to pay back how they've taken care of you. It, it just makes sense. Oh, yeah, I get it. It, it just makes logical sense. Verse 4, and, and here's the last reason, uh, at least in this verse, why, why we uh, take care of widows, because it is, look at the last words, it is pleasing to God when we're willing to take care of the widows who are a part of our family. So, so when you have a widowed mother or a widowed grandmother and you step in and you take care of them as they need you to take care of them, that pleases our God. And, and I hope you know that's why we live. That's why we breathe, to please our God. And, and by the way, the opposite is true. When we refuse to take care of our widows and our family, we are displeasing our God. <laughs> We're sticking him off. He's angry with, we are displeasing our God and our Savior when we refuse to step up and, and do what God has called us to do. And finally, the final reason, verse 8, why we should step up and take care of widows is because to refuse is a denial of our faith. What he says is, you're denying the fact that you're even a follower of Christ. Verse 8, you're pretending as though you're not even a Christian. Anyone who doesn't provide for their relatives, you're behaving as though you're not even a follower of Christ. It's as though you don't know Jesus, you have no faith. It's an awful testimony, and it's sin. How do you like that? It's sin. Not to take care of your widows, your mother, your grandmother, is sin. And it's a lousy testimony. So, let me suggest something. And uh, if you need some help with this, see Dennis over here. Uh, and we didn't collaborate. But in your long-term financial planning, may I be so bold as to say, listen, that you should consider in your long-term financial planning how are you going to take care of your mother and your grandmother should they become widows? We have that obligation, but I'm telling you, almost none of us think that way. We, we don't factor that in. We, we don't think about it, you know, as far as how we configure the house and, and how big and how many bedrooms and, and how are we going to do this. And, and I'm just telling you, we have an obligation. And I understand times have changed. Social Security, Medicare, pensions, 401Ks, but there still are widows 
who are in trouble. Do you understand that? And we have widows in our family, despite all that, who are still in need. And I'm telling you, here's the strong, harsh, blunt news. We have an obligation. If you're a follower of Christ, it's not, uh, no, step up. Do what God has called you to do and, and take care, especially of those widowed mothers and grandmothers as needed and necessary. That's the enduring principle for us. Now, beginning in verse 9, Paul switches gears. And now he's going to talk about those who are qualified to receive help and receive support from the church. Uh, verse 9, he says this, No widow may be put on the list of widows unless she is over how old? Has been faithful to her husband, well known for her good deeds, bringing up children, showing hospitality, washing the feet of the Lord's people, helping those in trouble, devoting herself to all kinds of good deeds. Okay, age 60. Age 60 seems to have been retirement age. Biblical times here. But as several commentators pointed out, it's likely, catch with me, very few people lived past the age of 50 in biblical days. Why? Because they had no modern medicine. And, you know, uh, bronchitis commonly could kill you. Uh, an earache, an ear infection killed people in those days. Please understand, this is well before modern medicine. The earliest reliable modern mortality data is from the 1500s. Track with me for a moment. And uh, in Sweden in the 1500s, the average life expectancy for men and women was their middle 30s. So just let that soak in for middle 30s. On average, that was life expectancy. So 60-year-olds at this time are likely similar to someone, Henry, in their 90s today. Got, got it? So, so you just need to understand the times have changed, and 60 in this day and age would have been like really old, probably similar to someone in their 90s today. So, how do you qualify for getting help from the church? Um, first, if the widow in the church is 60 years age or older. Secondly, has she been faithful to her husband? Third, verse 10, is she well known in the church to be a godly woman and, and one who's doing godly things, godly deeds in the church? Verse 8, this still applies. She has no family, no children, no ch grandchildren to take care of her. And verse 5, she's truly in need. She's got no dowry. She's got no, no savings. She's destitute. She's in poverty. Are you ready? At that point, the church has an obligation to step in and take care of those widows. At that point, meeting those qualifications, the church needs to step in. We have an obligation. Now, again, obviously, with Social Security, Medicare, retirements, our situation is different, and yet the enduring principle is the same. If, if, if all of that doesn't take, then the church, you better step in. And, and here's what I can tell you. In my time here, 22 years, we've done pretty good at taking care of two pastor's widows that I can think of. And the church has gone over and above and beyond 
what was called for according to God's word. And they needed to. It was appropriate. Um, and probably the closest person I've ever known that fit these verses, think about this, Jim. Matter of fact, about the only one I can ever recall who actually, yep, that, that's them, is Leona Griffin. She, she kind of fits. Uh, no children, no grandchildren, and Leona and her husband Harry devoted themselves to Walloon Church. And she was just been a servant, giving of her life all these years. And here's the good news, you ready? And the church family rallied around Leona and uh, took care of her. And in those last years, Nancy Sando was her guardian. And, and I can remember the fights checking in on her every day when she's still living uh, in the basement over here. And I remember Pastor Ward and Cindy, and I w was a part of some of the teams. And I remember Pastor Bob getting those, I've fallen and I can't get up bracelets. Uh, and we're checking in, and it, I'm just telling you, the church family rallied around, and, and, and then she says, you know, I, I, I'm kind of bored, and the church family bought her a TV. It was kind of cool. Um, anyway, I'm just telling you, when this applies, we have an obligation to step in, and, and I've seen that happen. Now, Paul shifts gears again. Those are the widows who should be taken care of. Starting in verse 11, now there's a group of women who are widows, um, and there's different things involved here, and he's aiming at widows who are younger. Look at verse 14. I want to show you. These are widows who are young enough to still have children. So they're a different category of widows, and now here's what he has to say about them. Verse 11, as for younger widows, don't put them on that list. For when their sensual desires overcome their dedication to Christ, they want to marry. Thus they bring judgment on themselves because they've broken their pledge. Besides, uh, they get into the habit of being idle and going about from house to house. And not only do they become idlers, but also busybodies who talk nonsense, saying things they ought not to. So I counsel younger widows to marry, to have children, to manage their homes to give the enemy no opportunity for slander. Some, in fact, already have turned away to follow Satan. Verse 16, if any woman who is a believer has widows in her care, she should continue to help them, not let the church be burdened with them, so the church can help those widows who are really in need. I quote from Pastor Ray Stedman, one of my personal favorites. He's uh, with the Lord now. Here's what he says. He says, Younger women will be strongly tempted to seek again the companionship they once had in marriage. Encourage them to marry again. It's a natural inclination. It's a natural desire for younger women. Now the truth is, verses 13 to 15, uh, many women take offense at. So just take a peek. Let's not hide from that. Uh, some accuse Paul of being a gender stereotyper, and uh, you're saying bad things about women here, and, and you're, you're making us out to all be gossips and busybodies and talking nonsense. I just want to stop for just a moment and say this. I don't think Paul is saying this is a gender-specific problem. I don't believe Paul is saying, well, women are doing this, but men wouldn't. I think what Paul is saying here is this is an issue of those who are busy and those who have too much time on their hands. 
They're idle, he calls it. So this is an issue of those who are busy and, and, and they're involved in life and those who are idle and have far too much time on their hands. My experience is this. Men get themselves in just as much problems and just as much trouble with their words when they're idle as women do. Can I get an amen there? Is that not true? Men, we, we get ourselves in every bit as much trouble when we're idle as women do. So it's not a men or a women. Anybody in this situation, you're a widow, and now the church, you're asking the church to support you, but you're too young, and it's going to be a long time. No, no, that's too much idle time. Get busy. Get busy is what he says. Okay. I want to close by offering uh, four practical um, applications um, that I think apply to us here today, implications from this passage. You ready? If you're taking notes, here we go. Number one, how do you want people to treat your wife someday should she become a widow? How do you want people to treat your mother someday should she become a widow? How do you want people to treat your sister when she becomes a widow, if that happens? How about your daughters? How do you want people to, to take care of and treat your daughters one day should she become a widow? What I'm saying is this. Start today treating the widows around you like you hope somebody will someday treat your wife, your mother, your sister, your daughter. Does that make sense? Uh, and sometimes, well, we're all focused on my... Well, well, then you treat the widows around you in the same way that you hope someone will treat them if and when that day comes. And if you'd hope that somebody would invite your loved ones out for dinner, what should you do? If you'd like, if you'd hope, if, if I die before my wife, I would hope they would invite my wife out for dinner, then we should be inviting widows over today ourselves because I'd want them to do that for my wife. If you would hope somebody would show up at your mom's house springtime and, and help out with some spring cleaning and out there in the yard, then what's our obligation? Think about it then maybe we need to be showing up and figuring out who the widows are around us and show up at their house and do a little spring cleaning. Again, treat them how you want others to treat your loved ones when they're in that situation. Number two, second implication. Uh, would you consider adopting a widow around you and including her widow as well include him in your life again it's true here we've got a lot more widows than we do widowers just true w would you consider adopting one and saying lord is there somebody around me that i can just start including think about it you know I, i'll regularly check in with them I'll, I'll include them in birthdays and holidays and if we're going out to eat although they'll, they'll be included there and invited and uh they can be a part of my community small group, and I'm just going to make them a part of my family. Would you consider adopting 
a widow? And if you're thinking, well, I'm not sure I know of any, see me. We've got a dozen or 15 who are a part of the church family. Wouldn't it be great if so many of you said, yeah, I'm into that. And, and, and by God's grace, we're going, we're going to adopt one. Wouldn't it be great if every widow got adopted by one or two or three families and now they're just becoming a part of the fabric of our lives? That's the way it's supposed to be. That's the way it's supposed to be. Third, third application. Um, I, I really believe that Walloon does pretty good, but we're not getting A's, Jim. You know, we're, we're maybe B's. Uh, so we can get better. And, and I think one of the keys is we need somebody to say, you know what, I'm going to make it my ministry to start overseeing and checking on the widows who are part of the church body here at Walloon. And, and I'm just telling you, we, we need somebody to step up and say, I'm regularly going to check in and make sure they're okay. And if there's things we can be doing as a church body uh, I'm, I'm going to sound the alarm, and I'm going to get the people to rally around and to help the widows in their need. So, so here's my question. Who of you would say, I'll pray about it? And, and maybe that's me, yeah. Maybe the Lord's calling me to be that person, and I'll get the list, and I'll reg- it's not that we're saying you've got to do it all, but the first step is we need to check regularly, and then as the needs are clear, then maybe we need to get a team. That's their job. We're going to take care of widows in the church body here. Fourth and finally, are there widows who are part of your church, your family, moms, grandmas, sisters who are in need? And I just got to ask, are you stepping up and doing your part? Are you stepping up and saying, here I am, Lord, this is what you've called me to. This is honest. This isn't gray. You don't even need to wonder, is it God's will for me to help my mother if she's in need? I'll tell you. Ready? That's God's will. It's right here in the book. If your grandma's in need, it's God's will. Step up. I can tell you with certainty that's God's will for you. So are there needs in your family? Oh, and uh, are you planning, men, to take care of your wife, I hate to break this to you, and I won't point anybody out because it might weird some of you out, um, but likely, men, most of you are going to get called home to Jesus before most of your wives. Have you planned that out? Do you have a plan? Have you actually worked the plan? And then this is what I see happen a lot. Have you told your wife about your plan? Because so many times the husband dies and he didn't ever take the time to explain and show her what the plan was and talk it through and explain it, and then, and then she's got it. Do you understand? So please, husbands, let's do our part. Let's at least know the plan, work the plan, talk the plan, pray the plan, and then share the plan with our brides because lots of them are going to get left. And I know that's sobering, but that's reality. James 1.27 Religion that our God honors, that's pure and faultless, is to care for orphans and, do you remember the other one? Oh, yeah. So, so the religion that God honors 
that he says this, this is real Christianity is when we step up and take care of our widows. God cares deeply about widows. We better too. We better too. Let's pray. Lord, uh, clearly this is a hard subject matter for many here today. Um, the thought of losing people we love who are close, honestly, is, is a subject that many of us would just, just as soon uh, never think about. And yet, Lord, your word clearly calls us to think this through. So I'm praying that uh, as we think about death and dying, that you'll give us the courage and the wisdom to plan and pray and be ready for the unexpected. Because the truth is, Lord, we should expect it, because if you don't come back, it's something that all of us will one day face. Lord, uh, help us as a church to step up and notice and take care of the widows around us. Lord, help us to notice the, the folks you've placed around us who need us to uh, adopt and make a regular part of our lives. Lord, I'm praying that you might raise up someone who would say, uh, that's me, and that will be my role, that will be my calling here is to, to get that list of widows uh, down and to check on them regularly and then rally support as needed. And finally, Lord, I want to pray for those widows here today. Um, Lord, again, all the good stuff, your grace and mercy and love and power and presence, just rain down good stuff on them even right now because we know you have an awesome heart for widows. Help us, Lord, to have that same heart for them. It's in the awesome name, the amazing name, the loving name of Jesus Christ we pray all these things.